Today, we relight the first two candles of the Advent wreath, the candle of hope and the candle of peace. (laughs) Now we light the third candle of Advent. This is the candle of joy. As the coming of Jesus, our Savior, draws nearer, our joy builds with our anticipation of his birth. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greetings might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me as you have said. And the angel departed from her. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations shall walk shall call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of, for his, of his mercy as he has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Can we give them a round of applause? That was... I knew the Wongs were reading, so I wanted to give you an extra long passage, Jonathan. That was absolutely amazing. Benjamin, soon your time will come. Soon your, con- your time will come. Well, uh, for those who are visiting, my name's Paul. It is a joy to uh, be with you today and to dive into Luke chapter one today with you. But w- before we do that, would you bow your heads with me as I share another brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts Be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, the title of my message today is Joy for a Weary World. And I'd like to begin by asking you this question. When you think of joy in the holidays, what comes to mind? When you think of joy in the holidays, what comes to mind? Is it a person? Is it a place? Is it a tradition? When you think of joy in the holidays, what comes to mind? Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in Central Florida where on Christmas morn, it's sometimes 80 plus degrees. So we didn't grow up with a lot of Christmas tradition. However, I married a Minnesotan, which means she grew up half the year inside, which means Carly Vellner brought a lot of Christmas tradition into the Sorensen family. First, it starts with our Christmas tree that we get the day after Thanksgiving. Anyone else do that? Day after Thanksgiving? Yeah, in our family, it's not just a tradition. It's a law. And that's what we do the day after Thanksgiving. Then we begin Advent, or should I say, the family Advent calendar tradition. You see, during Advent, every day, Carly has a verse that she writes and then tucks into a, a, a 3D, a, a dynamic Advent calendar. And then she hides a small sweet treat around the house for each of our kids to find that relates somehow to the verse. It's true. Every day she does this. This is what happens when you marry uh, an elementary school teacher who is also an awesome woman in ministry. That's my bride, Carly. So that's our Advent family um, calendar tradition. Finally, there's Christmas Eve, right? And Christmas morn. So first on Christmas Eve, we love to come to a candlelit worship service here at One Fellowship. And then we go home and Carly and I hide all the gifts for our kids. I was gonna say children, but they're giants now. So I don't, I don't know what to call them, students. <laughs> we hide the gifts for our students around our house. And then we all go to bed. And then our kids wake, up, wake us up the next morning. But look, before they are allowed to look for their gifts, we all, including me, we all have to do one thing, which is we all have to get dressed in our matching pajamas, which have been gifted by Carly to us each year. Mind you, this is another law written into the cosmos by my wife. So in matching pajamas with big smiles on our faces, the kids uh, go and find students, find their gifts, bring them down to the living room. They open the gifts. And then we finally eat something called, oh, I see some Minnesotans in the room. We eat something called a, you can put it up, panakukin. Anyone ever eat a panakukin before? Raise your hand. Yes. Two people. <laughs> Three, two. Anyway, uh, what's a panakukin? Thanks for asking. Well, it's a Dutch pancake that's baked in the oven and then topped with a cream or yogurt, brown sugar, fresh berries, and syrup. So let's say this together with a good Minnesota accent. Panakukin. <laughs> panakukin. Erica, help me out. Say it. Yeah, there's our Minnesotans. All right, listen, friends, it's delicious. And so there are our Advent traditions. And as I think about these traditions, I think, what's the point in these traditions? Well, it's to try to cultivate shared love and joy, right? So allow me to ask you again, when you think of joy in the holidays, what comes to mind? Or maybe a more fitting question for us to ask today is this, what is joy? What is joy? And was, what is joy's source? 
Have you ever asked that question before? So as we continue in our Advent series here at One, this leads us to our big idea from Luke chapter one today. Friends, joy is the gratitude and delight of knowing we are loved by God unconditionally and everlastingly through the gift of Jesus Christ. Joy is the gratitude and delight of knowing we are loved by God unconditionally and everlastingly. Yes, it's a word. Look it up. (laughs) Through the gift of Jesus Christ. And we'll unpack this big idea through two points. Point one, know you are loved unconditionally and everlastingly today through the gift of Jesus. And point two, let gratitude and delight fill your life with joy today. So let's dive into our passage. Point one, David, know you are unconditionally and everlastingly loved by God through the gift of Jesus Christ. Our passage begins, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Every year, every year when I read this passage, one picture comes to mind and it's this. This is a picture of Trenton Durham's, our old director of worship's pickup truck. It was a rusted white and blue S10 pickup that Trenton just loved. Every day he drove it around Daniel Island, Charleston, and to work. And every year, Trenton would adorn this truck with a light up Christmas wreath and drive it with a big smile during the Advent season. Listen, this is true. Some of you were so worried about Trenton driving this truck that you offered to buy him a new vehicle. And you know what he said? No. No, thank you. Why did Trenton love this truck so much? Because for Trenton, his truck represented more than just a truck. In fact, this truck had belonged to his granddad and he had worked as a kid on it with his granddad and it had been gifted to him by his granddad when his granddad passed away. Thus, while a stranger might have just seen a hunk of junk driven by a young hipster when looking at this truck, Trenton saw and experienced one thing when he drove this truck. Love. Love. Trenton experienced love in relation to this truck. Friends, the same could be said of God and Mary. When God saw Mary, a poor girl from an off-the-beat town, in a place no one liked or respected, God loved Mary. God loved her. How do we know? Well, listen to how the angel Gabriel greeted her. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Translated literally, God said, excuse me, Gabriel said on behalf of God, Mary, you have found charis or grace. That's how the word translates. You have found grace or unmerited kindness and love on behalf of God. So how special is that? You see, friends, God's love was not earned by Mary. It was not deserved by Mary. It was not cultivated by Mary. No, this love, this grace, this favor 
by God was 100% generated by God and gifted from God. And that's the first thing we're meant to see in our passage today. God's love was and is totally undeserved and unconditional. It's not earned. It's not won, which means it's available to you. Jim, it's available to you. Carolyn, it's available to you. It's available to everyone. And this is made plain through the context of our passage. In the words of the late reformer, Martin Luther, he might've gone to Jerusalem and picked out Caiaphas's daughter who was fair, rich, clad in gold, embroidered raiment and attended by a retinue of maids in waiting. But God preferred a lowly maid from a mean town. In the words of theologian Joel Green, God, excuse me, Gabriel travels to Mary far away from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem to Nazareth in Galilee, insignificant, despised, and unclean. Thus, friends, the point is this. No matter the rust you carry or shoddy background from which you hail, the unconditional love of God brought by Jesus is for you. Yes, even you. Even if you're insignificant, despised, and unclean, from the right side of the tracks or the wrong side of the tracks, from a good home or from a broken home, abandoned by your mom or abandoned by your dad, you have everything together or you have absolutely nothing together. The unconditional love of God ushered in by Jesus is for you. And that's the scandalous, beautiful message of Christmas. God loves you unconditionally today. Do you know that love? But there's more. You're not only loved unconditionally, you're loved everlastingly. What do I mean? Well, let's continue in the passage. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him, give to him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Note two words here, forever or this phrase, and there will be no end. So note forever and there will be no end. Okay, hold on to that and allow me to share another story. Over the Thanksgiving break, uh, my wife's sister Fonda drove down with her family to visit us, to vacation with us um, for a few days. Now Fonda is married to Jason, a wonderful guy, and they have three kids, all under the age of 14. Now I've been told that their favorite time of the year is actually to visit uh, us here in Charleston. It's their favorite thing to do every year. And so we pack our days full, as you might imagine. So for instance, we go to the beach, we went to Bulls Island, a little plug for Bulls Island. If you've never done the ferry, it's beautiful and amazing. We go to the beach. We now walk to the dime. We walk around downtown. You get the point. Well, this year, around the third day of the trip, Fonda's oldest boy, Kyan, disappeared. No one could find Kyan. When his mom, Fonda, finally did find him and asked what was going on, Kyan said he was down. He was a bit depressed because he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave our family and head back to Wisconsin. You see, Kyan had an ache or a pain or a longing for an unending love and object permanency. Kyan had an ache, a longing for a familial kind of love that would always be around. And let me ask you, can you relate to that longing? 
Do you have a longing or an ache for a love that will always be around? Returning to our passage, remember the word and phrase forever and with no end? What Gabriel was saying to Mary and by extension us is this. Through Jesus, the love of God will always be around. He was saying that through Jesus, to fulfill passages like 2 Samuel 7 and Ezekiel 37, his love will always be found. God will dwell with, love on, and never leave or forsake his people, meaning he will never leave or forsake you. That is the promise of Christmas. That's the promise of Jesus. God's love through Jesus will be everlasting, meaning forever, and forever means forever, friend. A love with no end. One fellowship, who else can make this promise and keep this promise to you? Absolutely no one. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The apostle Paul would later write, should trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, no. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any power, height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thus, listen, friend, this is for every boy and girl, man and woman joining us today. You are loved unconditionally and everlastingly through the gift of Jesus. That's the scandalous and oh so strong message of Christmas. God meets you right where you are and he promises to never let you go. And it's all by his grace. This leads us to point two. Let gratitude and delight fill your life with joy today. Okay, this is controversial. What I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this into the here and now. What I'm gonna say next is very controversial, caused a lot of drama in the first service. I was confronted after the service. Here it is. Who's the greatest band of all time? Who, who, who's the greatest band of all time? Mel? You too. You too. Do we have any U2 fans? Some? Someone confronted me. Yeah, they were like, it's the Beatles, hands down. And U2 is five, number five on their list. They, so listen. I know we have different um, genres and tastes, right? But this is another law that's just written in the cosmos by Carly. It's you two. So we're going to go with that. So right before we moved down here in 2011, what did Carly do? She bought us tickets to you two to see them at the Meadowlands. And they were amazing. And yet the concert was also very long. How many songs did they play? 26 songs. So listen, as we were leaving that night, I remember something Carly said to me. She said, was it me or did that feel like a worship service to you? And I reflected and I thought, it really did kind of feel like worship. So we saw you two. They were great. And years later, ironically, I came across this quote from Bono, the lead singer. Quote, the idea that there's a force of love and logic behind the universe is overwhelming to start with if you believe it. Actually, maybe even far-fetched to start with, but the idea that that same love and logic would choose to describe itself as a baby born in straw and poverty is genius. And it brings me to my knees, literally. 
To me as a poet, I'm just in awe of that. It makes some sort of poetic sense. It's the thing that makes me a believer, though it didn't dawn on me for many years. That's interesting, right? You see, when the humble heart becomes the grateful heart by letting the grace of God break in, the humble heart becomes the joyful heart by letting the praise of God break out. That's a lot of words, but it's, it's spot on. So let me repeat that again. When the humble heart becomes the grateful heart by letting the grace of God break in, the humble heart becomes the joyful heart and lets the praise of God break out. So returning to Luke chapter one, what do we see from Mary once she accepts the call and grace of God through Gabriel? We see joy. We see pure joy and praise. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, generations will call me blessed. For he, he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Skipping down to verses 54 and 55, he's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Known as the Magnificat, because the first word in the Latin translation of this means magnifies, this is one of the most famous songs in the history of Christianity. Mary, a young, poor, soon-to-be refugee girl, from a lowly area of Israel had just received the richest and best news in history. And what did she do? She burst forth in praise. She erupted in praise. Her lips in life filled up with praise. I love how Bishop N.T. Wright puts it. It's been whispered in monasteries, chanted in cathedrals, recited in small remote churches by evening candlelight, and set to music with trumpets and kettle drums by Johann Sebastian Bach. This is the Magnificat of Mary. And note, friends, Mary's joy was not bound by her past poverty. It was not bound by her present circumstances. And it was not bound by her future pain, which would be great. If you recall, she ends up being rejected over and over again as being an unwed teenage mom. And then she has to endure the brutal murder of her son, this Jesus. No, Mary's joy, listen, was based in grace. Mary delighted in and was grateful for what? God's grace, his unconditional and everlasting love. It was magnificent. Translated literally, Mary began her song with these words. My soul, listen, if you've checked out, please check in right now. Her song began with these words, literally speaking. My soul enlarges the Lord. My soul enlarges the Lord. Meaning this young girl from Nazareth had come to discover the sweet and powerful truth that her God was bigger than her problems. Her God was bigger than her life. Her God was bigger than her circumstances. Her God and his love were bigger than anything she could see or even dream. This God, he remembers, he loves, and he keeps his kids secure forever. And thus, Mary said, my soul enlarges the Lord. And therein lies the invitation for you and me. Friends, do you want joy today? Do you, don't, do you want to return to joy if you've been away for some time? Do you want joy during this Advent season? True and lasting joy is not something that can be bought. 
I read this week that over $900 billion is gonna be spent in the US on Christmas gifts. A lot of them gift cards, almost half of which will never be spent. True story. True joy is not something that can be bought. It's not something that can be worn. Some of you like to shop for clothes. It's not something that can be worn. It's not something that can even be experienced through a good night on the town or meeting that right guy or the right gal. No, true, lasting, real joy is the gratitude and delight of knowing we're loved by God unconditionally and everlastingly through the gift of Jesus. So the question is, do you know that today? Because that's the beautiful, scandalous, strong message of Christmas. Right, Joe? Can I get an amen? So here's our invitation. Here's my invitation. Call to action. Ready? I invite you to be like Mary today. Take the posture of a little girl saying yes to God today. Wherever you are, whoever you are, say yes. I need your joy today. In humility, know you're loved unconditionally and everlastingly through this gift of Jesus. Listen, he came to save you and he came to love you forever. Place your lungs and your trust above all things and all people in him today. And second, let your life be filled with joy and praise. In gratitude and delight, sing God's praise. You are loved, you are forgiven, and you are secure forever through the gift of Jesus. Davis, sing God's praise. Mia Grace, sing God's praise. Matthew, sing God's praise. Joy is the gratitude and delight of knowing we are loved by God unconditionally and everlastingly through the gift of Jesus Christ. And guess what? This gift changes everything. Let it change everything for you today. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. For every boy and girl, man and woman in here today, I pray that you would cut through whatever needs to be cut through, darkness, distraction, whatever it is, and bring lasting joy. Fill us with this hope, this love, this praise today. May we delight in you and give thanks to you for our good and your glory. And all God's people said, amen.